Welcome to Inside Economics. I'm Mark Sandy, the Chief Economist of Moody's Analytics, and I'm joined by my two trusty co-hosts, Ryan Ryan Sweet, Director of Real-Time Economics. Ryan, good to be, well, I said, good to see you, I should say. Good to yeah. see you, Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, busy? <laughs> yeah, it's been busy. I was in D.C. yesterday um, at a housing conference. We could talk about that a little bit. That was pretty interesting. You busy? Did you drive or take the train? Uh, I'm back on the Acela, there uh, you go. the train. Yeah, very convenient. Not like these. Uh, I, I heard you had a nightmare with uh, your trip out to Phoenix. Yeah, so I went to Philly, Philly International Airport for the first time in two years, and all the flights to Phoenix got canceled. Oh, so I was wow. right back on the car coming home. So, and that's a hub for uh, American, yeah. right? It is. That's hub yeah. To hub. So they sent us all to the uh, American Airlines, you know, concierge like, to try to rebook our flights, and uh-huh. they had a sign that. Uh, were understaffed, so they weren't there. Oh goodness! It was a good experience. The concierge desk wasn't there. No, we had to go to a different terminal, and then yeah, it was just a nightmare. And, and there's you heard the interloper's voice. That's uh, Julia Coronado, <laughs> uh, which I am going to uh, officially introduce in a second. Before I do that, though, uh, let me uh, just bring Chris in. Chris, I like to think of myself as an interloper. Well, you know, it's a good title. It's a good title. Yeah, interlopers are good. We need those. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Definitely. And um, Dr. Dorides is uh, speaking to us from a spa in Northern Italy. <laughs> or my cabin in Northern really? Italy. Yes, yes yeah. near the Austrian border. So Let me ask you a question, Julia. Yeah. You're, yes. you, you're, you're, you see, Chris, we're on Zoom here. You see Chris, he's on vacation, but he's in this, in this white shirt. I mean, who's in yeah. a white shirt yeah. on their vacation, right? Yeah. Well, Who I knew there would be the podcast. I knew huh? there'd be a podcast, you know, I, you know, <laughs> wanted to look the part. So. Oh, is that, is that what really is that? I didn't know where to dress code. <laughs> so, so are you wearing like Bermuda shorts on the bottom? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, no, no. It, you can see I'm in a tie and a shirt because I, I've got a, something I have to do right after this, but uh, I am in my sweatpants just so you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, <do it. laughs> you can see my grandma in the back there. So. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Anyway, uh, it's good to have everybody. I was a little concerned we wouldn't have Chris on on the this podcast, but uh, you're here. You made it. Thank you. I made it. Yeah. Dedication. Wouldn't miss it. Wouldn't yeah. miss it. I appreciate that. And Julia, Julia Coronado, it's good to have you. It's so good to be here. Yeah, we've uh, kind of crossed paths uh, over the years, and uh, it's just you do such great work, and love to have. Very happy to have you on. Talk about. Uh, the macroeconomic environment here in the U.S. But before we kind of dive into business cycle stuff, uh, can you give us a sense of your history? How how did you get to where you are today? And uh, you have a new company, or I don't know how new it is, but it's it's, not that new anymore. So yeah, so so macro policy perspectives um, is a macro forecasting firm uh, that uh, I launched with my business partner, Laura Rosner. more than five years ago, about going about five oh, and a half years ago. Yeah, I did not know yeah. that. So okay, we've been great. We've been doing this a little while. We're growing. We just hired a new economist. So uh, yeah, things are good. People want to have macro uh, people uh, to turn to and uh, ask questions. And you know, it's a con- incredibly uncertain environment. It's not it's not easy forecasting, but it's also, for, as you know, for clients, it's just about thinking through risks and possible scenarios in addition to actual point forecasts. So, um, yeah, so yeah. that's what, that, that's what we do. And it's, we're, and it's been going really great. 
Oh, that's that's great to hear. Yeah, we're all about scenarios at Moody's Analytics. That's, yes, that's all about yes. scenarios. Yep. So I, I noticed you have a really cool group of senior advisors. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Ellen Hughes Cromwick, uh, yep. good friend. Uh, was she? She was the chief economist of Ford, wasn't she? Yeah, she was chief yeah. economist with Ford. But, but now, she was also chief economist at the Commerce Department for a while. That I didn't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she's now deep into climate change issues. She is deep into climate change issues and specifically electric vehicles as well. Very, very um, leaning into that kind of that transition. And Dick Berner, I haven't been, I was just saying, I haven't uh, said his name in quite some time. He was head of the Office of uh, Financial Research. Yep. Uh, OFR, yep. yep. At Treasury. And, and he was chief economist at Morgan Stanley for many years. Right. And um, PNC, I believe, way back when, I think. Yes. Yes. I think that's right. That's, I think because right. PNC's, uh, we're from Philly and PNC, you know, is gotcha. my, my bank. And I think, I think that's how I got to know Dick, uh, but okay. he's, he's writing for you as well. Yeah, yeah. 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 He writes for us. He's, he's really focused on some of the monetary policy implementation and plumbing issues. So um, that's a useful perspective. We 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 believe plumbing matters and getting details right is important. So uh, Dick helps with all of his experience in markets. Uh, he he brings a really valuable perspective. So so you had a pretty cool path getting to macro policy perspectives. Mm -hmm. You just want to describe that for a little bit, just to give the listeners. Yeah, a sense yeah. So of you. I got my uh, PhD at UT Austin, um, and where I now sort of teach part time because I love it, and moved back to Austin. Uh, but in between, I got hired by the Federal Reserve Board. So I went from grad school to the Federal Reserve Board. I was a staff economist there for about eight years. Um, I worked both in the consumption forecasting, so uh, in you know the GDP forecasting group for a while. But most of my time I spent in the financial side of the research division in the flow of funds group, looking at household balance sheets and pension finances oh. and home equity extraction and all kinds of financial issues uh, and sort of that interaction between the financial side of the economy and the real side of the economy, which was a really interesting place to be um, before and through the uh, the Great Recession and the housing bo boom and bust. Uh, so it really was a good perspective to have. Yeah. And um so we I, we crossed paths not long ago. Uh, you're you trying to get a debate together yeah. uh, with, with uh, Arthur Laffer. Folks remember <laughs> Arthur Laffer. Yeah. Just, and that was pretty funny. Well, yeah, sort of funny. I it guess. was sort of funny. Yeah. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. He had a very. Yeah. You were thinking of me to debate him, I yeah. believe. Yeah, and he was very particular about who he wanted to. Oh be. yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, I wasn't even part of the event. So, <laughs> oh, is that right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the event yeah. happened. It did happen. Debated oh, it somebody. Yes, it did. It happened. Oh, okay. He ended up debating. Uh, this was a UT initiative. It was. I was not something I was organizing. I was just I involved see. with through the UT uh, engagement, and uh, he, they wanted a, a debate on uh, taxes. Uh, and as you remember, he wanted it to be very, very narrow. Uh, and uh, eventually he debated Jamie Galbraith, who's also. Oh, well, that, that, oh. actually, I, I recommended that. I thought yeah, that because yeah, he's at yeah. UT, isn't he? Yeah, isn't, yeah, isn't, he is yeah. at UT. Yes. So yeah, that it did eventually happen. But uh, uh, 
but uh, I was not uh, an acceptable moderator. So eventually the event Oh, just you went got on. kicked off too. Yes. Oh, I didn't, oh, I didn't realize. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. It's a big comment. Yeah, well, I, 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 I had been in a debate with, with uh, Arthur. I can't even remember. I, there were a couple other people. And we, tr- we, it was a, it was, you, you, in this debate, it's uh, uh, Intelligence Squared. Somebody wins. Oh, and, and we won. I won. Oh no! Beat Arthur, oh no! That really made him upset. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm sure he, he was very yeah. cautious about it. So, so, so hence his reluctance to, uh, uh, to, well, to have you as maybe. the sparring partner. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, that was pretty funny. Uh, so uh, anyway, let's dive into the situ- the macro situation here because there's a lot to talk about. Yes. And one thing I'm hearing more and more often from folks, or at least I'm getting the question are we already in a recession? And, you know, it's just, everyone is so pessimistic. Uh, Every CEO I talked to CFO, you saw today's university of Michigan survey. (laughs) We can talk about that. Um, You know, and uh, you know, GDP did fall in the first quarter Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. and it's tracking now based on the data, barely positive and it could come in negative again. So you could conceivably get two quarters of negative growth. So, Question to the group and you first, Julia, are, are, is there any scenario where we actually are already in, in recession? Um, I would say almost no scenario in which we are already in a recession and mainly because um, the job market is so rip snorting strong. Um, the three month average gain in payrolls is still above 400,000, which is, you know, pre-COVID that would be unimaginable. Uh, and now that's a moderation from where we've been. So um, the GDP numbers, as you know, always subject to revision and have a very particular composition with that drag, that decline being driven by inventories and imports. And that just highlights that the disruptive force of supply chains and, you know, lack of inventory and inventory restocking and these sort of very wild nonlinear dynamics that are flowing into the GDP numbers looking at consumption, looking at investment, looking at hiring, the economy is still very strong. It has, it's moderating, but it's still just got an extremely solid base of that all important hiring spending dynamic. So I would say there's almost no way that we are already in a recession. We would have to see very rapid deterioration in the labor market, in my view, in the next few months for us to even enter one by year end. So you're sitting on the business cycle dating committee of the National Bureau of Economic Research, the, the group of academics that, and you're an academic group of academics mm-hmm. that, you know, arbit, uh, arbitrate whether we're in recession or not. You see two quarters of, say, say we get a negative quarter of GDP. So we have two consecutive quarters. You still say, no, that's not a recession. No, no. Okay. I mean, that rule of thumb is actually pretty reliable. You know, if you look historically, um, Two, when you have two quarters of negative GDP growth, it has pretty much always lined up with an NBER defined recession. So it's not a bad rule of thumb, but again, you know, these GDP numbers, especially the areas that are causing these big swings are measured very imperfectly in real time. So they, you know, again, they don't line up with the demand picture that we're seeing or, you know, another important input traditionally for um, the NBER has been industrial production. That's motoring along just fine, too. There's like no metric on the real demand side 
that looks particularly weak, let alone contracting. So um, yeah, I, I don't even think it would be much of a debate for the committee. They may not even convene to discuss it. Yeah, are probably not even convening right. yet. You know, this right. is these are wild numbers that are could be yeah. massively revised and don't align with the all important real economy. Yeah, I think we're all with you on that. Uh, yeah. This is just yeah, right, Chris. I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, when you're creating four hundred thousand jobs, which is what we did in the month of May, we'll have to see what June looks like. Yeah. I mean, and June should moderate. And and again, those yeah. numbers could also be revised over time, but they're not revised as much as GDP. And there's a lot of independent labor in market indicators that are saying the same thing, which is that the job market, even though it's moderating, is still just really strong. Right. right. Ryan you can have a recession with initial jobless claims. Yeah. South of right. 250. I mean, it's really yeah. low. To the point, like the job market's up, but they're low. Yep. So, so that statistic for the listener is initial claims for unemployment insurance, weekly data, uh, so very close to real time, and that is a measure of layoffs. So, mm -hmm. if you're in a recession, you got to see layoffs rising. And actually, it fell last week, didn't it? The UI claims, initial claims. I think they fell a little bit. Yeah, they did back. They were, yeah, they were sort of. They're still, you know, again, they've yeah. come up off the lows, but they're still really low. Still really low. Right. right. They're coming off the right. historic lows. Yeah. Right now, I mean, what's our rule of thumb here? 250000 per week would be consistent with a well-functioning economy, and we're at like 230 right? $230,000, yeah. Yeah, something yeah. like that. So, okay. So we're all in agreement. No recession here. Even if we get a Q2 number, that GDP number that's in has a negative sign. Squirrely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, because consumer spending is tracking really well still. I mean, there's been some moderation, uh, but you know, consumers have been holding up despite this shock to their purchasing power from the war. Yeah, and I think uh, the way I've, I've talked about this is that I, I view the American consumer as the firewall between continued economic growth, albeit much slower economic growth, because that's what we need here so inflation comes in, but uh, that in recession. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And that firewall feels, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it feels pretty strong, right? It, it is strong. I mean, we're, we're in a weird moment where consumers, you know, different measures of sentiment. So the Michigan measure came out today and it's pretty depressed, like extremely depressed. Um, the conference board measure of, con of sentiment is, you know, it's come down off the highs, but it looks just fine. So we've got these wildly different signals on how consumers feel and that can or cannot be a leading indicator of what they actually do so far the depressed michigan measure has not correlated with actual spending uh at all you know we've seen very resilient consumption um so uh but you know it's not like it's all everything's coming up roses consumers are facing they don't like inflation <laughs> And it's challenging their purchasing power and it's eaten into some of the gains that they enjoyed last year in terms of cash on hand and, um, you know, strong wage gains. So it doesn't feel great, but yet, you know, they're getting up Keep every spending. morning, going to work, changing jobs, you know, spending their money. Um, so, so far, so good. That engine is motoring along. Yeah, you mentioned the University of Michigan survey. So, Ryan, let me turn to you quickly because that came out. This is Friday morning, June twenty fourth. The University of Michigan survey came uh, 
consumer sentiment survey came out today. You want to just give us a thumbnail sketch of what that said? Because it was pretty, pretty dark if, if you take it by itself. Yeah, it dropped a lot between uh, May and June, and it's at a record low. So the previous record low was in record in low, record, record meaning low. in all this thing's been done since the 60s, I believe, right? The survey? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So, yep. so the lowest ever is what you're saying. The lowest ever. Okay. But the University of Michigan survey, based on the questions, it's very sensitive to personal finances. So it's getting hit <laughs> doubly by double by higher gasoline prices and the drop in the stock market. So it's really not too surprising that the University of Michigan survey is just tanked, where the conference board survey, uh, based on those questions, are very sensitive to labor market conditions and the job market is doing really well. So that's why we have this divergence in, in, in sentiment. But to uh, Julia's point, the relationship between consumer spending and sentiment in the short run is is very very loose. So consumers can say that you know they're depressed, but they're still going out and spending. Mm-hmm. Right, right. The one uh, thing that I, I keep a close eye on is Google searches. So I look mm. at Google Trends data, and if you look at uh, search intensity for recession or what is a recession, uh, it's it's spiking. So mm-hmm. recessions on people's minds, and I think it's just people see the stock market and they they assume the stock market is the economy. And then, and then relentless stories about recessions as well. Yeah. So, you get so, that group so, so we're, we're yep. going to test the proposition. Can we actually talk ourselves into a recession? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about that. Maybe this is a good time to do it. Uh, you know, it, 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 the, here's the odd thing to me. I mean, I, you could, if folks are watching on YouTube, you can see my hairline. I've seen a lot of recessions. In every recession I've been in, no one has pre- actually predicted the recession. You know, it, some people... Like, you know, I go back before the Great Recession, I was warning things are off the, you know, going off the rails here. It feels really bad. But my actual forecast did not have a recession in in it, you know, until I think we were actually in recession. You know, we had Mm -hmm. been in it for a while. Mm -hmm. And that's the case for every recession. And certainly CEOs and CFOs and the average public, they're not thinking recession. They're not thinking that way. This is going to be the first recession I think ever where everyone's predicted it before it's actually happened. Like, yeah, way before. So, yeah. so I'm of two minds with that kind of frame. One is, well, that means we're going into recession because it's just going to become self-fulfilling. And then the other frame is, well, if we're all thinking that way, it probably isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's like, so what, how do you think about it? I mean, can we, can we actually drive ourselves into a recession? I mean, for me, it, it's going to, yeah, it, it, it would have to be followed through either on the business side with reluctance to hire or engage in investment or, you know, a reluctance by consumers to spend. Um, and so that's a possible channel you could imagine um, that, you know, every recession is usually not just one shock, but a series of shocks. So we've got this high gas prices, we've got tightening monetary policy, delivering a correction in market valuations, you know, we've got, um, you know, and then that makes consumers feel less optimistic and businesses worry more about the future. And then if that then follows through into a spending strike or a hiring strike or a, you know, a a investment strike, then you could, then you could see that positive, you know, there's always a, Expansions are positive feedback loops and recessions are negative feedback loops, right? So, so we're in a positive feedback loop. We've got hiring, consumers have income as long as those paychecks are arriving and they've, and they've got options and they feel good about that. So as long as that's, you know, they've got that, that underpinning of jobs and income, 
you know, they could slow their spending, they could shift their spending, uh, but to actually see declines in spending and hiring requires a much different dynamic than what we've seen. So, I mean, it's, it's possible, but I can't, and, and, and if we go into a recession, it's not like it will be caused by sentiment per se, but those initial shocks that caused the declining sentiment, I would say, you know, and, and sentiment would be sort of a chaser, you know, and, and add on to, to that dynamic. Yeah. Maybe the way I, I would rephrase what you said and or just roll it back to you to see if I got it right. It feels right. You're saying, look, uh, sentiment is so weak, uh, so low. People are so anxious that it won't take much of anything else going wrong here to send them over the edge and for them to pull back and we go into recession. So it's not mm -hmm. that we talk ourselves into recession. It's that we're just so depressed, so nervous that, you know, we're skittish. And so yeah. if anyone says boo, we're going to run for the bunker and we go in. Well, and there's real things that are making people. Yeah, depressed, sure. Right? Absolutely. High gas prices, yeah. high food prices, yeah. um, you know, high rents. Uh, these are all things that make people feel stretched and um, anxious. Um, even, even I would add the shortages. That's an unusual dynamic that we aren't used to. <laughs> There's a question how much that's depressing sentiment that, you know, we went from a world of efficient, cheap supply chains where I can order anything I want and have it, you know, within 48 hours, uh, you know, increasingly, you can get same day delivery on Amazon of some things now. So we've got moved towards this world of almost instant gratification. And now we're experiencing, you know, you have to wait months sometimes to get something or, you know, it, it or you can't get the thing you want, um, or you have something like a formula shortage. I mean, that's terrifying yeah. for parents. So mm -hmm. these are, these are, you know, we're used to being an efficient economy uh, and we're now not as efficient because of some of the supply chain disruptions. And that, that um, also makes people anxious and, and feel bad. And so these are real catalysts that could cause a pullback in spending. You know, the anxiety isn't just coming out of thin air. Yeah, good point. I mean, the fact that Ryan couldn't get to Phoenix, I mean, that, you know, right, exactly. That's like, like bizarre, right? Yeah, so right. everybody's like, oh, yay, let's go out and travel and take some summer vacations and go to weddings oops you know yeah. it turns into a travel nightmare yeah. and you know travel nightmares aren't anything new uh for those of us who travel around they've always been part of life but more prominent more common um certainly doesn't make you feel great about getting on a plane and going on a trip yeah hey chris let me quickly turn to you i mean do you think we could talk ourselves into recession yeah I agree with uh, Julia. I think, well, two things. One is just the disconnect between words and actions, right? Right now, mm -hmm. people are saying they're uh, they're not feeling great, but they are continuing to spend, right? So I don't, you know, psychologically, yeah, absolutely. They, they don't feel great seeing these prices, but their their actions so far haven't reflected that. And then I, I do think it's more of an accelerant, right? You need to have something else mm -hmm. that pushes you and it towards the recession. And then the negative mood certainly just, starts to feed on itself and starts up that uh, feed, negative feedback loop. So, yeah, I've never yeah. seen anything like that. I think it. that's the case. Uh, you know, I, yeah. like I, we, in, in my, in our work, we talked to a lot of senior managers of all kinds of companies and, you know, obviously the question I ask is how's business? And the answer is good. Uh, 
Like, I'm scared to death, and I'm, you know, right, and I'm, right. mm -hmm. I'm going to pull back. I'm going to go. Mm -hmm. I go really okay. Uh, anyway, hey, I think this is a good place for the statistics game uh, before we dive into any more statistics. Uh, and just a quick summary for Julia's uh, edification: the statistics game. We each tell a statistic. The rest of us try to guess it through questioning and clues and deductive reasoning. The best question is one, or best uh, statistic is one that is not too easy that we all get it so fast. Uh, although, you know, Ryan is really good at this and he gets it yeah. fast. Yeah. Have, well, I have heard him be good at this game. I'm... Yeah, he's good. Uh, <laughs> and if you're really good, by the way, Julia, you get a cowbell, you know, so oh, a cowbell. Oh, man. Right. Yeah, really. Well, you should have told me that. Yeah. In, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a uh, big cowbell fan. Cowbell and a, and, a, <laughs> and a bottle of wine. So, you know, be on your, be on your game here. Okay. Oof. Uh, we don't want to, one too hard that no one can get it, but, uh, and one that's kind of relevant to what's been going on, but uh, that's kind of open-ended. But let me, uh, let me begin with, because uh, Ryan's so good at this, uh, begin with you, Ryan. Why don't you uh, give us your statistic? I oh, see he's been practicing too. No, it, by the way, this is a hard week because there isn't a whole lot of statistics that came out this week. It's it kind of makes it easier though. Oh, does it? Okay. It Fire does. Away. Yeah. You're up, Ryan. Oh, I didn't know. I was getting the cowbell. Oh, you're getting the cowbell. Oh, no, no. I called on you first. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I want Julie to see how this is done. All right. You're so good at this. <laughs> All right. I'll give you guys an easy one. All right. All right. Let me just double check to make sure I got the. <laughs> Oh, five guard. Five point three percent. You didn't. Oh, I know what that is. I know five point three percent and three point one percent. I know what that is. All right, go for it. Fire away. Yeah. It, that's inflation expectations. That's U-mish inflation expectations. Exactly. So mm -hmm. one is the one year, one year forward. The other is the uh, three to uh, five. No, five to ten year. Five to five ten, ten year. Yep. And Very good. Uh, the, the 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 beauty of that one. Is that whole 3.3 that drove the Fed to panic and do a 75 basis point rate hike has been revised away in the final. I know, meeting. I know. Yeah, I was going to point that out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, hold up before we go into that anymore. The cow, this is definitely a cowbell, and I got my own cowbell from VJ. Oh, wow. It's a good one. Look, it's a good one, right? It's a good professional. Cowbell. Professional, yeah, professional yeah. cowbell. Well, so, I guess, Chris, did you bring your cowbell to Italy? That would show. Really uh, I do not, but I've been doing a uh, deep research into cowbells. Okay. <laughs> they've got a whole different <laughs> style of cowbell. Uh, yeah. Very sweet really? sounding here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh there okay. are like sheep and cows all over the place here. <laughs> oh, you got a Swiss cowbell and a t Northern Italian cowbell. Yeah. I think it's every uh, other hill. Every village has its own style. Oh, so. That's pretty cool. Like you got your own olives, you got your own wine, you got your own <laughs> cheese, and now you got your own cowbell. Yeah, cowbell, you know, you got to you know, differentiate. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let, let's go back to that. You Mish, inflation expectations, and I'm so perplexed by what seemingly the Fed is doing by putting more weight on consumer expectations and obviously de-weighting other expectations from not so much economists because I don't know that that's great, but certainly bond market expectations. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I feel like that's where the weight should be placed because that's money, people putting their money where their mouth is. So in the in the in the, the consumer expectations are very tied to the co cost of a gallon of gasoline. If it goes up, sentiment's down. If it, if it cost a gallon of gasoline goes down, sentiment goes up. So what's the deal? What, what do you think's going on there, Julia? 
Well, you could look at it as sort of an opportunistic framing of the data that kind of allows them to do what they wanted to do anyway, which was move very quickly, expeditiously to a neutral rate. They've kind of already made that conclusion. Um, uh, uh, it was uh, when I was interviewing Tom Barkin this week for a NABE webinar, uh, he said, you know, we want to get there as fast as we can without breaking things. So that's kind of the FOMC sentiment. And so an upside surprise on both the CPI, it wasn't just Michigan, but it was the combination right. of an upside surprise on core and headline inflation in the May CPI. Plus this measure of inflation expectations was a catalyst because the bond market moved. And, and that's the other thing Barking sort of was very usefully, usefully clear in outlining that not everybody states it as clearly, which is, the bond market moved, it gave them the opportunity to take that, right? So the bond market started pricing in a bigger move and they just went with the market and took that opportunity to get rates closer to neutral. So, you know, I, I think Michigan- that makes, sense. that makes sense. You know, putting yeah. putting too much weight on Michigan seems like over a longer horizon doesn't seem like a great idea, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but it, it may have just been sort of a-, a We need frame. something to hang our hat Most on the excuse, here. yeah. That, make, that makes total sense to me. Hey, Chris, you want to give us your statistic? Sure. It's a twofer, 51.2 and 51.9. Yes. You know oh. that too, Julia? Oh, uh, I think so. 51. Oh, my yeah, uh, 51. God. She's, like a, she's a maven at this thing. Yeah. 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 Well, so 51.2, I believe, is the U.S. Preliminary peak global PMI composite. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh, oh, oh my! That one. Oh yes. my gosh! This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. Yeah. Fifty-one point nine is the eurozone. Am I right? Yes. Oh yes. my God. gosh! Hold it. Wait. 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 Wow. It's like well, a Julia. Combo. If I had come up with that, Ryan would be accusing me of collusion. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, no, she's That's actually impressive. good. No, she's actually really good. <laughs> double cowbell. Yeah. Double cowbell for sure. That is incredible. That's nicely done. That's awesome. Nicely You're going to displace Ryan as the king of this game. Oh, I know. Oh, that is like, oh, no, but I'm see, done. now you guys are taking the ones I was going to take, so I need to find. Oh, 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 that is funny. That I, is I think so I funny. have a good one. I think I have a good one. All right. You want to um, go next? Are you ready for me? Well, well, let me ask on the PMIs. Chris, why'd you bring those up? I mean, there's a reason for why you yes. picked those. Uh, I Pick those. Why did I pick Europe and U.S.? It's because I was just in the U.S. Now I'm in Europe. Okay, that's okay. the easy part. <laughs> but the uh, so uh, PMI over 50 still indicates expansion, right? If the PMIs fall below 50, typically that that's uh, a sign of contraction. So it's still in the positive uh, zone. Kind of ties in with our previous discussion here. But they have been falling both in the Europe in Europe and uh, in the U.S. So it's getting closer and closer to that uh, 50 threshold. So certainly something to keep an eye on. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're and not they quite both there came yet. in below expectations, right? Correct, both, correct. both of those numbers yep. were pretty noticeably weaker than what uh, what was the consensus expectation. So yeah, we're just losing yeah. Chris is actually what in they were spa, last month. Spa yeah. in, in northern Italy, so that's why he's coming in and out a little bit. Just just so you know. So, yep. <laughs> but even if we break below fifty, that's not the re recession threshold. So I, mean, no. I, I would pay very close attention to the ISM survey, and that's got to get it down to 45, 46, or 47 to be consistently ISM, to be ISM manufacturing, manufacturing survey. survey. Manufacturing mm -hmm. or services? Manufacturing. Manufacturing. Okay. Yeah. And, yeah. and ISM is kind of like a purchasing manager's report, Correct. right? For yeah. here in the US, the uh, 
the ISM survey. Okay. Yeah. So if it dips below 50, it doesn't mean it's over. Well, and, that, and actually no, it goes no. back to an earlier point. We, th these numbers have to come down, right? Because yes. we, we need the economy's growth rate to slow so that we don't blow past full employment and inflation becomes more of an issue. So the fact that these numbers are coming in is not a, it's a good thing, no. right? It's not mm -hmm. a bad thing. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're not collapsing either. Yeah. They're right? not collapsing <laughs> either. Yeah. Okay. All right, Julia, well, you're up. Okay, this is this is this. I pressure's on. The pressure's on. The, the pressure is on. Is on. Okay, um, I'm gonna say 126,000. 126,000. Hmm. Is it uh, a, an economic statistic that came out recently this week? This morning. This morning, so oh. new home sales, something in the new home sales. Oh, it must be in the new home sales number, but it's unseasonally it's not, adjusted. It's not new home sales. Oh, it's, it's not. not. Okay. It's not a U.S. number. <laughs> oh, it's not a U.S. Oh, number. Oh. oh. I mean, hey, look, Chris went. Well, Chris no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. no it, it, fair it's game. Fair game. Can you give us what continent we're looking at? <laughs> it's close to home. Canada. Okay, it's yes. in Canada. It's, can, it's a Canadian number. Canadian. There, Canada is always... Like uh, ten percent of the U.S. So no, no, yeah, something like 10%, yeah. 10, 15 percent of yeah. the U.S. Is it? it can't be Canadian home sales, can it be? No, it's Canadian employment. It's got to be. Canadian I think it's the only thing that came out. Oh, I thought that I thought the Canadians released their jobs data when we released ours here in the U.S. Not no. always. Oh, not always. Oh, I didn't mm -hmm. know that. Okay, so uh, so Canadian employment rose one hundred twenty-six k in the month of May. This is a, yes, it is a, let's see, I'm looking at the screen. It's for April. This is April. Oh, okay. Oh. So, so it must be a sure. different Canadian employment survey. It yeah. must be kind of like their household survey. Yeah. This yeah. The one that came out this morning has average hourly earnings in it. So that yeah. was up. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a very strong number, as you say, if given the scale of Canada, 126,000 certainly is very strong. Is that a pretty good rule of thumb? I take every U.S. statistic and I divide by 10, and that's Canada. Is that kind of roughly right? I think think so. Yeah. Ryan's laughing. Why are you laughing at that, Ryan? We just lost every Canadian listener. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get oh, all yeah. now. Seriously? This, I mean, it's just, there's, we're 350 million, they're 35 million. I'm making that up. I think it's 35 million, something like that. I know we're 350 million. Anyway. I was debating between that one and and Canadian CPI, which was also. Oh, I thought you were debating that one or the number of anchovies in the Atlantic Ocean or something. No, you know <laughs> that that I could try that. I don't know that number though. <laughs> That's right. All right. All right. I I, I got one. Uh, it might be a, a little on the hard side, so I'm going to preface it by saying, existing home sales. You know, they came out because the housing market is, you know, obviously on the leading edge of the slowdown, it's getting crushed by these higher rates. Yes. Uh, and existing home sales, which came out earlier in the week, they were down uh, year to date through May, down 6% from a year ago. So, you know, take the five months through May in 2022 compared to 2021, we're down 6%. So with that as a preface, and that's a pretty big preface, uh, the two numbers are down 16%, <laughs> and up 5%, down 16 and up five. Is so down six, yeah, go ahead. Are, are we staying with existing home sales or is that just or, housing? Yeah, that, a new was, home sale. That's a pretty yeah. obvious, pretty obvious. Like, are you yes. going new home sales? Are you going no, new yeah. home sales? No, no, no. Existing. We're sticking. Oh, you're staying with no. Yeah. So it's got to be down 16 so, and up five are the numbers? Yeah. Right. Is that and a single remember, family, multifamily? 
No. Split. Is it price no. related? Something about prices. Yeah, no. I was thinking prices. No. Nope. 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 Oh, Inventory? must be um, month supply. No, that's 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 rising. Yes, but uh, no. There's these these two statistics are, in a sense, add up to the down six. I'm down six in total sales, and some part of sales is up sixteen. Another part is uh, you know down five. Is I mean, excuse me, down three? sixteen and up five. I'm sorry. Is it regional breakdowns? No, it's down everywhere. Sales are getting crushed everywhere. So tell me when not, you give. No one, you get, tell me when you give up. Condo versus single Perse- family. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one, but wrong. You, no? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good guess. Yeah. Chris should know this because he's like, he's the housing yeah. guy. This is a really also on vacation. Yeah. Like, uh, not the top right. line, but not, I think right. in the report. I'm going to put you out of your misery. The uh, down 16 is the sales to first time home buyers. First time home buyers. Oh, it's down great sales. And uh, the uh, up five, that's uh, those are investors in, in no. second homes. No, 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 that's the wrong direction. What, right. what do you mean? Oh, you mean not not good for home ownership is what you're saying. Yeah. 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 yeah well, absolutely. Yeah. But it's, I mean, uh, it shows you. You say that it's interesting that that showed up in the report because I'm in Austin, which is one of the hottest housing markets, and I'm hearing the opposite—that the investors are gone. That oh really? Uh, yeah, that yeah. they were really the ones driving the bidding wars and the outsized appreciation, and that with higher rates and now just concerns about valuations correcting, they're gone, and so the only ones left are the home buyers that are hell bent on getting into their homes. So, well, no, well, last year, I mean, in 2021, it, it was all about the investor. I mean, the right, primary right, buyer, right, they, they, right. they were down last year and now they're big time down this year, but both first time buyers and trade up buyers, right? Trade up primary yeah, buyers because yeah, yeah. You know, the coupon on their mortgage is well below the current mortgage rate. So they're locked in to significant jewelry, but that's interesting. You say about investors in mm-hmm. Austin, Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's different kinds of investors. So maybe those yeah, folks are on the institutional investor. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there's so. the institutionals. Definitely uh, in the tech cities, there's also the speculative you know, element to it. Here's the other cool way of looking at it. You know, they're not uh, mutually exclusive. The cash buyer mm-hmm. is up 9%. So home sales mm-hmm. to cash buyers year to date through May is up 9%. And that makes some sense. And to mortgage buyers, obviously the First time right. buyer and the trade up buyer down 10, down right. 10, yeah. down 10. So it gives you a really cool sense. That makes, that makes perfect on. sense. Yeah. 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 Very good. Hey, uh, we're, this is going to be a shorter podcast because uh, just uh, everyone's got stuff going on. But I, I did want to end this way. Uh, and this is the way we've been ending, Julia, now for the last few podcasts is recession odds. What are, this is kind of a, a cottage industry now, you know, predicting the yeah. odds of recession. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, so the uh, I'd like to know what your recession odds are over the next year and over the next two years. And I'll let Ryan and Chris go first. Uh, guys, what are your odds and has that changed uh, since the last time we did this a week ago? Ryan, you go first because you're, 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 you're the darkest one out yeah, there. Yeah, let the pessimists go first. I think you uh, are. We haven't heard Julia yet. She could, yeah, be, who remember, she could be surprised. Yeah. Us. So yeah. uh, next year, I haven't changed it. I think it's 45 in the next year. Within the next 12 months. Within next 12 yeah, months. next 12 months. Yeah. yeah. And then within the next two years, uh, 65. 
that doesn't he, he's changing on us isn't he Chris? no that, that's exactly that's like sarah I think is i think it's sarah sarah sarah's the producer sarah can you start writing these numbers down <laughs> yeah. i think he's he, I think he's, he's moving on us no 65 he's coming in i think he's coming in oh he did say 65 you know why he said 65 julia uh, because we have this uh, forecast philosophy if we make a major change in our baseline kind of the middle the scenario in the middle of the distribution we have to be very confident in that change so we have to have a subjective probability of over two-thirds to make the change gotcha. so he's he's going right up to 65 right on the line he, not yeah, 66 right not yeah. 66 yeah, yeah. okay yeah. so 45 and 65 45 mm -hmm. next year 65 next year chris what's what are your odds 40 60 unchanged 40 60 Un unchanged 40. from last yep. week last week yeah okay. from my, we're from my previous week. uh oh i think it last month even the last month he's been consistent he'll be consistently wrong but you know he'll be consistent <laughs> yeah. 40 60 <laughs> go down with the ship yeah, yeah. Yep. all right uh should i go next before julie will let yeah julie you go, go next last? okay i'm at 40 percent over the next 12 months in um even odds more or less over the next uh 24 months next next two years so a little bit more pessimistic than these two other guys and that that i did that's the same as last week i did become more pessimistic after the fed meeting i thought yeah. that was yeah i had been at one third over the next year and i raised that to 40 percent just because i that raised, raised yeah. alarm bells for me the way they handled that but anyway so yeah. we'll turn to you julia what, yeah so yeah no, I, i'm i'm similar in your territory i think 40 to 45 percent over the next 12 months that's up since the fed meeting because having a central bank telling us they're calibrating off of headline inflation which he kind of did right when he said yeah. headline inflation drives expectations expectations are in a dangerous zone so that in the middle of a gas price spike that that feels like adding fuel to a, the fire pun intended i guess yeah, um right. and so we were more in the 30 to 35 okay. percent camp over the you know next year just again because of the starting point in the labor market so gosh darn strong um and then yeah it seems more more likely than not over the next two years although in some senses if we make it through this gas price spike. Totally agree. Yeah. We probably have a longer runway on the expansion. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, and the, the only reason why it's a little higher in two years is because you're, you're two years out statistically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. It, it feels like it's either going to happen. We're, we're either like in the early stages and it'll happen or we're actually some stars are going to align here to take some pressure off let the fed cool off and um and then the expansion can unfold i mean that's certainly the 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 analogy like uh people like jim bullard have been making which is and even chair powell the 1994 you know like we we go through a scare right got to tighten up markets we go through a year of volatility it's but then you know you kind of unlock a new phase of the expansion I, I like I like you, Julia. You 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 know you. I think you're dead on. You guys, you guys, you guys are listening to this. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we Join can have team. you back. Would we lo love to have you back uh, sure. so that we can gloat? We can gloat. And uh, although I'm a little nervous, if you come back, I'm never going to win this statistics game ever again. Uh, really. Do I get a cowbell? Yeah. Can I? Yeah, get a we're going to give you a cowbell, an honorary cowbell. <laughs> you may even get your name on it. Yeah. What? Yeah. Uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
Best exactly. swag ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, it was wonderful to have you and uh, uh, thanks guys. Really appreciate it. And just a reminder to the folks out there, um, if you have suggestions for future podcasts, fire away. Um, you know, we can get to us in many different ways and, and many of you are. So thank you for that. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Take care now. <laughs>